0: We will listen to the recitation of these verses.
1: يَكَادُ البرق يَخْطَفُ أَبْصَارَهُمْ كُلَّمَا فيه وَإِذَا أَظْلَمَ عَلَيْهِمْ الله على كل شيء قدير يا ايها الناس اعبدوا ربكم الذي خلقكم والذين من قبلكم لعلكم تتقون الذي جعل لكم الأرض فراشاً والسماء بناءً وأنزل. Wa and Zalaminas Sama Ima and Faafrajabi Minas Thamarati Rizkalakum Fala Tajalu Lilla and Dadaw and Tum
0: In these two verses, we learn about the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Tawheed of Allah, that He is Rabbakum. He is the one who deserves worship, and He is the one who created all of you, and He is the one who has created the earth and the sky, and He is the one who provides you with everything that you have. Therefore, He is the only one who deserves worship. So we learn that Allah is the only Lord, the only Rabb, and the only Ilah, the only God. This is what? Tawheed, the oneness. Oneness of who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And remember that the kalima also includes this part. La ilaha illallah. But what's the next part? La ilaha illallah. And then Muhammadur Rasulullah. In these verses, we learn about the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the following verses, we learn about the importance of belief in the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Both parts of the kalima are being, in a way, referred to over here. Remember that there are two types of tawheed. The first tawheed is with regards to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which is known as tawheed al qasd Qaf, sad, dal. Qasd is to intend. Tawheed al qasd is that when a person is doing anything, anything at all, what is his intention? What is his goal? That he should do it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What he strives to gain by doing what he is doing is The pleasure of Allah. So this is what? Tawheedul Qasd. The second type of Tawheed is Tawheedul Mutaba'ah. Mim, ta, alif, ba, a'in, ta, marbootah. Mutaba'ah. And what does it mean? To follow. And this is with respect to the Messenger ﷺ. What does it mean by that? That when it comes to worshipping Allah, we only follow Prophet ﷺ. When it comes to doing something, we do it for whose sake? Only Allah. And when it comes to worshipping Allah, then whose example do we follow? Only the example of the Prophet. al Qasd and al Mutabah. Both of these are essential and both of these are being elaborated in these verses. So far we have learned about al Qasd. Now we will learn about al Mutabah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Wa in fi Raibin, and if you are in doubt, if you all Kuntum, meaning O you people, O Anas, O mankind, if you are in any doubt concerning what? Concerning mimma Zalna ala Abadina, concerning what we have revealed upon our servant. Raibin, as you know, is from the root letters Raya Ba and Raib is used for doubt. But what kind of a doubt is it? Doubt that causes? unrest that makes you restless so because it causes unrest it has to be with regards to matters that are important that are crucial for example if you're not sure whether you put your shoes downstairs or upstairs is that raib no it's not that big of a deal it's only your shoes and really how long is it going to take to check where your shoes but if a person has doubt about the quran about the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam is that raib that is ra'ib. Why? Because the Prophet, وسلم, what he brought was something major. Something major. And belief in the Prophet is also something very, very important and necessary. This is why the word ra'ib has been used. So, wa in kuntum fi ra'ibin, in ra'ibin, and ra'ibin, any doubt at all. Mimma concerning that which, concerning what? Nazzalna. Nazzalna noon zaylam. Nazala yunazzilu is to gradually send down. We have read the word anzala earlier, right? Unzila. Unzila is just to be sent down. But nazala. Nazala with a shadda on the za'i, what does it mean? To gradually send down. So if you are in doubt about what we have gradually sent down upon our service, who is abudina? Who is this referring to? The Prophet wasallam. What is it that was revealed upon him? The Qur'an. Now before we move on, I want you to notice something. The Prophet is called servant. If somebody called us servant, we would feel that kind of disrespectful. But if you think about it, he is being called the servant of who? The slave of who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And remember that being a slave, being a servant, to someone who is honorable, to someone whom you love, is actually respectful, is a very good way of referring to you. Because think about it, if there is a person who is secretary, of let's say the president, or let's say the CEO. Being a secretary means what? That you're basically their servant. You're doing all their paperwork, you're taking all their calls, you're doing whatever they tell you to do, whether you agree with them or you don't. All the things they don't want to do, you do it for them. But don't people take so much pride in being the secretary of someone who is very high up there? Isn't that a means of honor? Of course it is. So when a person is called the servant of Allah, then in fact this is an honor for him. And this is why the Prophet he said, إِنَّمَا أنا عَبْدٌ Indeed, I am only a servant. فَقُولُوا عَبْدُ اللَّهِ وَرَسُولِهِ Then say that Abdullah, servant of Allah and his messenger, he liked to be called the servant of Allah. Why? Because being the servant of Allah is in fact very honorable. And we learned that once a poet he said with regards to his beloved Do not call me with any name except that O oh, servant of her, meaning the one whom you love. That you are her servant. Why? innahu Ashrafu Asma'i. For indeed it is the most honourable names that I have. Because when a person loves someone, he wants to be identified with them. And when a person loves someone, he doesn't mind being a servant to them. In fact, he takes pride in it. Like for example, a mother, when she's changing her baby, when she's washing her clothes, when she's wiping off the baby's spit and changing her diaper, basically she's doing what a servant would do. But she takes pride in it, which is why perhaps sometimes you might come across mothers who don't let other people even change their baby's diapers. They take pride in it. Why? Because someone whom you love, you love to serve them. You don't mind serving them. We learned earlier about yakin, urubudu rabbakum, worship your Lord, be a servant to your Lord, do what He's telling you to do. And over here, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala tells us who is His servant: the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu And remember that the Prophet Sallallahu is called the servant of Allah many times in the Quran, but always it is in the context of either a noble gift being given to him. Like in Surah Al-Isra, we learn about the journey of Mi'raj that he was blessed with, the journey of ascension that he was blessed with. At that point, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala used the word abd for him. Similarly, the Qur'an is being mentioned. The Qur'an was given to him. That's a huge gift. And other places where the Prophet is being defended, in such occasions, Allah refers to him as his servant. And this also proves to us that the Prophet was who? He was a human being. He was a servant of Allah. Because unfortunately, there are people who are Muslim, but they have such wrong, incorrect beliefs about the Prophet That na'udhu billah, he has authority above Allah taala even. That if he says something, no one can refuse. And if Allah says something, somebody can refuse. These are the kind of beliefs that people have unfortunately. And such beliefs are based on absolute ignorance. Because what do we learn from the Qur'an and Sunnah? That the Prophet was who? The servant of Allah. So, if you are in doubt about what we have revealed on our servant, Allah says, فَأْتُوا بِسُورَةٍ Hamza Ta ya." Then you should bring a surah, surah from the root letters, Sin ra, Chapter If you doubt that this Qur'an is from Allah, if you think that Muhammad has invented it, you think that he has fabricated it, you think that it is his speech which he has ascribed to Allah, then if he can do it, you should be able to do it as well. If a human being can do something, is it possible for another human being to do it? Yes. So if you think that he fabricated the Quran, if he can do it, then you should do it too. So Allah challenges those people who doubt the Quran. If you doubt in it, then you bring a surah to be suratin, and this surah should be mimmithlihi, similar to it, like it, mithl, mim sa similar to what to the Qur'an. Don't just bring any passage. Don't just come up with any essay. Don't just come up with any piece of writing. No. It should be similar to the Qur'an. Similar to the Qur'an in what sense? In its eloquence. In its beauty. In its meaningfulness. In its relevance. In its correctness. In its truthfulness. So bring something, bring a surah which is like the Qur'an. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala challenges people. And you know what? If you want to do it, and you're not able to do it yourself then shuhada call upon your witnesses wad'u dal ain wadaa yad'u means to call someone from the same root as the word dua what is dua we call upon allah shuhada' is the plural of shahid from the root letters sheen ha dal shahid who is a shahid a martyr and who is shahid a witness so these words are used for both Witness as well as martyr. And remember that the word shuhada is also the plural of shahid. Shahid and shahid, both are singular forms. Over here shuhada does not mean martyrs, but what does it mean? Witnesses. So call your witnesses, meaning call someone to help and oversee this task that you will do, this task that you will perform. What task of coming up with something that is like the Qur'an? In other words, call upon your helpers, someone who can help you. Someone who can support you, someone who can oversee this project of yours. In other words, but these shuhada should be who? Mindunillah. Besides Allah, don't ask Allah for help. Do it yourself. In kuntum sadiqin, if you all are truthful. Sadiqin is a plural. of sad, dal, qaf, sidq And sidq is truthfulness. What's the opposite of sidq? Kadib. Good. If you are truthful, truthful in what? In your claim that Muhammad sallallahu billah, invented this Qur'an. What do we see in this ayah? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is challenging those who doubt the Qur'an, who doubt the Messenger, sallallahu The evidence that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala deserves worship is what? What did we learn in the previous ayahs? That He is the only creator. Over here, the evidence of the truthfulness of the Prophet ﷺ is being mentioned. And what is that evidence? The Qur'an. The Qur'an proves that the Prophet ﷺ was true, that he was indeed the Messenger of Allah. This is why Allah says that if you don't believe in the Qur'an, if you don't believe in the Messenger, then you try to bring something that is like the Qur'an. And the fact is that you can never bring anything that is like the Qur'an. When you cannot bring anything like the Qur'an, then what should you do? Believe in the Qur'an, and as a result, believe in who? The Prophet ﷺ. Because you see, there are many people who believe in Allah, but do they believe in the Prophet ﷺ? No, they don't. For example, if you look at it, the Jews, the Christians, do they not believe in Allah? Yes, they do. But do they believe in the Prophet ﷺ? No, they don't. When they do not believe in the Prophet, then their iman is not acceptable. It is incomplete. So belief in the messenger is essential. And that is being proven over here. How? Through the miraculous nature of the Qur'an. That the Qur'an is truly from Allah. And what's the evidence of that? That you cannot bring anything like it. You cannot produce anything that is like the Qur'an. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala challenges people over here. And He challenges people many, many times in the Qur'an. For example, in Surah Yunus, ayah number 38. Surah Hud, ayah number 13. Surah At-Tur, ayah number 34. Surah Al-Isra, ayah number 88. There are many places in the Qur'an where Allah challenges people to bring something that is like the Qur'an. Have they been able to? They have never ever been able to. You see, the thing is, you might think that what's the big deal? Why cannot people bring anything like the Qur'an? You can always challenge a book by producing something that is better than that book. Isn't it so? And this Qur'an is not just a book, is not just kalam, but it's also a miracle at the same time. How is it a miracle? That no one can produce something like the Qur'an. Whenever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave miracles to His messengers, they were always relevant to that particular time and era. For example, at the time of Musa what was very popular, what was very common? Magic. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him miracles of the snake, the staff, as well as the glowing hand, and so many others. Isa alayhi salam, at his time, what was very famous, what was in? Medicine. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him relevant miracles that he could cure a person who was born blind, the leper. Imagine a person had died, he could bring him to life by the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. At the time of the Prophet sallallahu what do you think? What was... The interest of people. Poetry, language, eloquence. Was it just in Arabia? Not just in Arabia, but outside of Arabia even, people were more interested in what? Knowledge and science, discoveries. You understand? It was as though the age of knowledge was beginning. It was a different era. And after that, you know, for example, Christians also, they started challenging their book because it contradicted reality. So we see that the miracle that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave to the Prophet was the Qur'an. It is miracle and message in one. How is it a miracle that no one can produce anything like the Qur'an? How? The Arabs, what were they interested in? Language, poetry, that's the only thing they had, that's the only thing that they could take pride in, that's the only thing that they valued. Why? Because they were desert dwellers. In the desert, you cannot have architecture. You cannot have any kind of arts. In other places where there are forests, or where there's more rain, or the soil is different, you can have many, many different ways of expressing yourself. In the desert, what do you do? You pitch a tent, there comes a sandstorm, and your tent blows away. You can't do anything in the desert. So the Arabs, how would they express themselves? What kind of a culture did they have? It revolved around eloquence and language and expression. This is why poetry was something that they highly were interested in. This is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent the Qur'an, which is so eloquent that even the Arabs could not produce anything like the Qur'an. There were people who, when they heard a few verses of the Qur'an, they said, that's it we're not doing any more poetry after today. It's as though they admitted their defeat. They knew that they had been defeated forever. The Qur'an was so powerful in its message. And it's amazing that there are people who don't even understand the Arabic. But when they hear the Qur'an, the style of the Qur'an, the melodic style, and the words, the sounds, it's so captivating. You must have come across people who are not Muslim, but when they hear the Qur'an, they wonder, what is this? What are you listening to? I remember once I was listening to the Qur'an for a very, very long time, and there was a lady with me, she was not a Muslim. She just said, this is so peaceful. This is so peaceful. What is it? There are many times that I have experienced this, that there are people who are non-Muslim, but when they hear the Qur'an, they are attracted towards it. Why? Because it's the speech of Allah. It's a miracle. So the Arabs, they could not produce anything like the Qur'an. If they were not able to do it, nobody can do it after them. Because they were the people of the language. Now, have you heard about this new Qur'an? Have you received any emails? That there are people who are, you know, sending mass emails. Oh my God, there are people who have produced a new Qur'an, don't get deceived by it, it's not actually Qur'an, so on and so forth. If you even try to read it, it sounds fake. It's not interesting at all. I remember I asked one of the scholars about this that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said nobody can bring anything like the Qur'an. There are people who have said that, oh, they have brought up a new Qur'an. He said that it's not anywhere close to Qur'an because if the Arabs could not do it, nobody can do it after them. They were the people of the language. All right? And there are people who might say, oh, look at the Qur'an. It goes against facts. There is something that is contradictory to reality or there are grammatical errors in the Qur'an. All such claims are false. For example, I told you in the example that we learnt about the Munafiqeen, and I pointed out to you the different pronouns that were mentioned in that verse. Those people who look at the surface only, who are looking for faults, they will say, oh, look, grammatical errors. But it's the shallowness of their thinking and understanding. It's not that the Quran has any faults. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is challenging people over here. If you doubt the Messenger, if you doubt the Qur'an, then bring something like the Qur'an. But the fact is that فَإِلْ لَمْ ta'falu. So if you're not able to do so. تَفْعَلُوا فَاعِين lam. فِعْل فِعْل is what? Action. So if you're not able to do so, able to do what? Produce something like the Qur'an, even one surah. And the fact is that وَلَن تَفْعَلُوا You will never ever be able to do so. Notice lam and lan. There's a difference. Lan is more powerful. Never ever, you will never be able to produce even one surah that is like the Quran. Allah says in Surah al Isra, ayah 88, that if all of mankind, all of the jinn, were to gather together to produce something like the Quran, لا يأتون بمثله ولو كان بعضهم لبعض ظهيرا. They would not be able to produce anything like the Quran, even if they all got together. And this is true. There are people who attempted in the past, but they terribly failed. If you read the books of history, you might come across people who tried to invent something like the Qur'an, but honestly, if you read it, it'll make you laugh. Oh, dhifdaa, oh frog, what are you? Oh frog, you live in the water and you produce the sound. and It's nonsense, absolute nonsense. Similarly, al fil, mal elephant, oh, what is the elephant? How great is the elephant? This is nonsense. They have tried to produce something like the Qur'an. But it's absolute nonsense. So Allah says, وَلَن تَفْعَلُوا You will never be able to do it. Admit your defeat. Accept defeat. And you will never be able to do it. Then, fatqun النَّارُ Then fear the fire. Save yourselves from the fire. Because if you don't believe in the Qur'an, you don't believe in the Messenger, then your ultimate end is what? Fire. Fatqun النَّارُ a person can only enter Jannah when he has belief in Allah as well as belief in all of the messengers of Allah. If a person denies even one messenger, his iman is not acceptable. So, وَلَن تَفْعَلُوا فَاتَّقُوا So, fear the fire. فَاتَّقُوا What's the root letter? Waqaf, Yeah. And this fire, how is it? Alati, That which وَقُودُهَا النَّاسُ وَالْحِجَارَةِ Whose fuel are men and stones? Wakud is from the root letters well qaf, dal and waqud is used for fuel. What is fuel? Something through which you keep the fire burning. Like for example, coal. You put it in the fire and as long as there is coal, the fire will keep burning. Wood, it's a kind of a fuel. Gas is a kind of a fuel. This is what Wakud is. Now what is it that keeps the fire burning? What is the wakud of hellfire? Allah says, Anas, people, wal hijara, and stones. What does it show? That as long as people are in the fire, the fire will keep burning. Just imagine, the people will not just suffer the punishment of the fire, but rather they will produce more fire. They'll be lit on fire, igniting, further increasing the fire. I want you to imagine this. Think about it. Its fuel are people. And not just people, but also Hijara and rocks. Hijara is the plural of Hajar. Hajim Ra. And Hajar is used for rock. Hajar Aswad, the black stone. Hijara, stones. So stones are burning the fire of hell. In dunya, what is used to burn fire? What is used to keep fire burning? Wood, gas. But wood is soft compared to rock. Now imagine if rocks are being used to fuel the fire. How intense would that fire be? How severe that fire would be? And this fire, Allah says, أُعِدَّتْ It has been prepared. عِيْنْ دَالْ Is to fully prepare something. From the same root is the word Adad, And Adad is number. So it is to prepare something in a way that everything can be counted, numbered. Full preparation. U'iddat. It has been fully prepared. It is ready for who? Lil kafirin, for those who deny. Kafirin, plural of kafir, one who disbelieves. What do they deny? Whether it is a tawheed of qasd or tawhid of mutabah. Whether it is tawhid of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or belief in the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa and following him. Those who disbelieve, for them is a fire of hell. For them is a punishment of hellfire. They will not be allowed to enter paradise. And this is something that is very scary. <inaudible> we will listen to the recitation of these
1: verses. <inaudible> فأت بسورة من مثله mithu شهداءكم من دون الله إن كنتم صادقين. فإن لم in kuntum تفعلوا فاتقوا النار التي وقودها الناس والحجارة fa
0: what have you learned from these verses if you look at the description of hellfire that is given over here it says though allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is warning us warning us describing it to us so that we strive to save ourselves from it and what's the way of saving ourselves from the hellfire worship of allah and following the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam what else have you learned from these verses that if we have any doubts in our hearts, then what should we do? We should strive to remove them because having a doubt is not something small. We learned earlier about yaqeen. وَبِالْآخِرَةِ يُقِنُونَ Yaqeen is necessary, Iman is necessary. And yaqeen means there's not even a little bit of doubt. We have to remove all doubt. You see, what we learn over here is, lil Kafirin, It has been already prepared for the disbelievers. It shows that the hellfire is actually present right now. Just as Jannah is present right now, hellfire is also present right now. And about the stones, al-hijara, the stones, it has been said, these refer to the idols that the people used to worship. Because they're also made out of stone, many of them. The very idols that the people used to worship, they will be thrown into hellfire as well. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Qur'an that, إِنَّكُمْ وَمَا تَعْبُدُونَ حَصَبُوا جَهَنَّمُ You and also that which you worship are the fuel of hellfire in Surat Anbiya, Ayah 98. And some scholars have said that these stones, it refers to kibrit. It's a particular kind of stone which is known as black sulfur. And black sulfur, if you look at its properties, it is such that it catches fire quickly. It's highly flammable. It produces a foul smell and it also produces a lot of smoke and it also clings when it burns. It just gets stuck. So imagine this is the punishment of the hereafter. For who? Those who deny, those who don't believe. Why is it important to believe in the Messenger wasallam? What's the big deal? So what if a person doesn't believe in the Messenger? If you don't believe in the Messenger, that means you don't believe in the Qur'an. If you don't believe in the Qur'an, how are you going to worship Allah? Because Allah said, U'budu Rabbakum," And we understood that Ibadah is the right of Allah. He is the only one who deserves. That's the purpose of our lives. So how do you get there? How do you do it? Through the Messenger. If you don't believe in the Messenger, you don't believe in the Qur'an. If you don't do that, you won't know how to worship Allah. You will not be worshiping Allah. This is why it's important to believe in the Messenger wasallam. Let's continue. Allah says, "Wa الَّذِينَ ladina amanu," and give good news to those people who have believed. Bashir, ba ra, bashara. is good news, and it's from the word bashara. Bashara is used for human skin, the skin that you have. This is bashara, ba shin at the end. If you think about a human skin is very unique. It's very different from the skin of other creatures. Other creatures, either they have scales or they have fur or they have feathers or hair or something or the other. But human skin is very different. It's called bashara. And bashara is good news. Why is bashara called good news? Because when you receive good news, do you feel the excitement on your skin? Do you get goosebumps? Sometimes you do. Similarly, your face gets lit up. You have a smile on your face. Sometimes people start blushing. There are different ways in which good news affects our skin. People get so excited. They roll up their sleeves and they keep moving their hands. This is bashara, good news. So bashir, who is the command being given to? The Prophet sallallahu that O oh, Prophet give good news to who? To alladhina amanu, those people who have believed. Believed in what? Believed in all that is necessary to believe, including Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, including the Quran, including the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam they believe in what is necessary to believe whatever allah and his messenger have informed us of so those who believe but not just iman after iman what is necessary wa salihat, and they also performed righteous deeds amilu ain mim lam deed action deliberate action that a person does human beings do and as salihat is a plural of salihah we have done the word muslimun sad ha what does islah mean? To set something right. And salih is that which is right, that which is proper, that which is straight. So salihat good, right, proper actions. What are proper actions? What are good actions? Those actions that are done with sincerity to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, with ikhlas, only for the sake of Allah. Meaning when a person is doing it, what does he want out of it? The pleasure of Allah. And secondly, those actions which are done according to the way that the Prophet ﷺ taught us. What are the two conditions of amal salih? Ikhlas and secondly, sunnatul Rasul. Sincerity and conformity. Sincerity for Allah, conformity to the way taught by the Prophet ﷺ. So, وَبَشِّرِ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ Give good news to them. What? That anna lahum jannat. That indeed for them are jannat, Jannat. Plural of jannah. And jannah, Noon نون, نون, is used for a garden. But what kind of a garden is it? Jannah literally means to hide, to cover. From the same root is the word jinn. Are jinn hidden from us? Can you see jinn? You cannot. Similarly the word janin is also used for the fetus because it's hidden it's hidden inside the womb of the mother jannah is a garden why is it called jannah because the ground is fully covered fully covered with what something or the other either a flower or a tree or grass something or the other meaning no part of that garden is barren no part of that garden is empty it's full of beauty You understand what Jannah is? This is the literal meaning of the word Jannah. Don't think that Jannah is like a forest, that oh my God, it's so dense, it's so dark inside. No. Jannah is what? A garden that is full, that is lush, no part of it is barren and empty. And technically, what is Jannah? Jannah is the home, the abode, that Allah has prepared for His righteous servants. And in Jannah is what no eye has seen, no ear has heard its description, meaning no person can imagine and it has not even passed the heart of any human being. Meaning no person can fully imagine, fully comprehend, fully visualize what is in Jannah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us some details, but these are only hints. So Annalahum Janat, for them are Jannat. What kind of Jannat? How does Allah describe it? Tajri min tahtiha al anhar. Tajri jim ra yajri. To flow. To run. Tajri, it is flowing. What is flowing? From underneath it, al rivers. Rivers are flowing in paradise. It's a place of greenery, of beauty, of rivers. Taḥt is from the root letters taḥta, and taḥt is that which is under, that which is lower. Now, what does it mean by this, that under it, rivers are flowing? This has been understood in two ways. It doesn't mean that the rivers and the streams are underground. Because if they're underground, it's useless, pointless. Because you can't see it. If you can't see it, what good is it to you? Okay, you can benefit from what is in the river, but you can't enjoy the beauty. This has been understood in two ways. That First of all, underneath its trees and underneath its palaces and castles and the dwellings of the people in Jannah. Just imagine, trees and under it, streams, rivers, Castles, huge houses, and under them, rivers. Imagine a glass floor, and underneath you can see water flowing constantly. You know, it's amazing how they use water as art today or as decoration today. It's a major part of interior designing like for example if you go to this hotel in dubai what they have is all water it's actually on water burj al arab and inside as well they have different types of fountains which when the water falls it produces a particular kind of a sound really you don't need to listen to any music over there the sound of the water is so beautiful Min tahti al anhar tahtiha meaning under the homes of the people of jannah under the rivers and secondly it has been understood as tahta awamiri ahliha under the command of its dwellers meaning those who live in Jannah, the rivers will be under their command. If they want the rivers to flow with speed, they will flow with speed. If they want the rivers to flow smoothly, gently, that will happen. If they want the river to go sideways, it will happen. If they want the river to not be there, it won't be there. If they want the river to be on the left side, it will be there. It's under their control. Absolutely under their control. What does it show? Two things. First of all, the beauty of Jannah that how the people will enjoy the beauty, the delight of eyes by looking at Jannah. And secondly, the power and authority and the sense of ownership that the people of Jannah have given. Sometimes it happens that you go somewhere, you're like a guest over there. You want to change things, but can you? But in Jannah you won't feel like a guest. You'll be treated like a guest in the sense that everything will be brought to you. you'll be served twenty four seven. But there's no twenty four seven there, obviously. For eternity you'll be served. And secondly, uh, you also have authority. So, تَجْرِي مِن تَحْثِهَا الْأَنْهَارِ Anhar is a plural of the word nahar. Nun ha, And nahar is used for a river as well as a stream. And the rivers of Jannah, are they only of water? No. There are four types of rivers in Jannah that we learn from the Qur'an. Allahu a'lam, there may be more. In Surah Muhammad, Ayah 15, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us about the description of Jannah, that فيها harun in it are anhar, rivers. First of all, مِنْ غَيْرِ From water, that does not go bad. Secondly, وَأَنْهَارٌ مِنْ لَبَنٍ لَمْ يَتَغَيَّرْ طَعْمُهُ And rivers of milk, whose taste never changes. You might think, a river of milk, I don't know if I would want to drink it. That's Jannah, no germs, no problem, no fear of disease, no fear of illness. And besides, the milk in Jannah is milk of Jannah. But how does Allah describe it? whose taste does not go bad. Does the taste of milk matter? A lot. Have you ever tasted goat milk? It has a particular taste, which is why even if somebody tells you have it, it's good for you, you cannot have it because of the taste. Similarly, have you tried soy milk? Many people cannot have plain soy milk, they have to have flavored soy milk because the plain one does not taste good. So if the taste is not good, you cannot have milk. Thirdly, وَأَنْهَارٌ مِنْ عَسَلٍ مُصَفَّى And rivers of honey that is clear, clear honey, golden honey. It's not cloudy. And fourth, وَأَنْهَارٌ مِنْ خَمْرٍ لَذَّةٍ And rivers of khumr, of wine, that will be very delightful for those who drink it. Obviously the wine of Jannah is not such that it causes intoxication. That is harmful for people. No, it's good for people, because obviously it's wine of jannah. So jannatin tajri min tahti al anhar. This is the reward that Allah has prepared for those who believe and do righteous deeds. Kullama ruziqu, kullama every time, every single time, ruziqu razaikaf. They are given provision minha from it, meaning every time they are given something to eat, to drink. And notice Ruzikul, they are provided, they don't have to go buy it themselves. They are provided. And minha from it means risk of the people of Jannah will come from Jannah. It will not be imported from somewhere else. The produce of Jannah, the risk of Jannah is from Jannah. Kullama Ruziku Minha? Min samaratin. Any fruit, anything that they're given to eat, قَالُوا they will say, Hadaladi, this is that which Ruzikuna min قَبْلُ we were provided before. Why will they say this? Allah says they will say this because they will be given it, meaning the fruit. How? Mutashabiha, One that is resembling. sheenbaha What does that mean to resemble? mutashabih One that looks similar to the other. One that resembles the other. So every time they are given something to eat, they will say, this is exactly what we were given before. Allah says, no, it's not the same. It's something very different. Why will they say this? Because it's given to them while it resembles Why is this so? Human beings fear trying new things. There are people who are very excited about trying new things, but other people, I don't know what that is. I can't even tell what it is. Is it made of bread? Is it made of rice? Is it made of meat? What is it? I'm not trying it. I'm not touching it. I remember once, soy blocks, when I saw it for the first time, I thought it was meat. I actually thought it was meat. I ate it and I thought it was meat. And I didn't want to have it, because I thought it was dry, and it's not from a Muslim country, I wonder if it's halal. So when there's something new, you're uncomfortable trying it. Why else do you think? If something is given to you, and you think it's very similar to what you've had already, and you open it, and you put it in your mouth, and it's completely different, doesn't it surprise you? So it's as though everything that will be given to them in Jannah will surprise them. But that surprise will come in a very comfortable way it will not disturb them. They will think that they have enjoyed everything in Jannah, but every time they try something, thinking that they have already had it, it will be completely different. So this is the variety that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed in Jannah, the surprises, the enjoyment that Allah has placed in Jannah, but yet the people of Jannah will be comfortable. They will be at ease. You see what happens is, that if you keep having the same thing over and over again, you get bored. But if you keep trying new things all the time, you get bored of that as well. You just want to have your comfort food, your bagel with cream cheese. That's it. That's all you want sometimes. You don't want to try all new things. So we see that there is comfort in Jannah. At the same time, enjoyment. So people don't get bored, they don't get freaked out. They can enjoy. وَلَهُمْ فِيهَا أَزْوَاجِ مُطَهَّرَةً And on top of that, they will have in Jannah, أَزْوَاجِ مُطَهَّرَةً أَزْوَاجِ, spouses, plural of the word, زَوْجِ And who is Zawj? One of a pair. The word can be applied to husband as well as a wife. So the spouses in Jannah, the men and women in Jannah, how are they? Mutahara. Mutahara. Tahara. Tahara. What does that mean? To be clean. Mutahara. One that is made clean. Completely clean and pure. So the people of Jannah, how are they absolutely clean and pure? In what sense? In two ways. First of all, in the physical sense. That they'll be free from any physical impurity. What are the physical impurities that we experience in this dunya? Having the need to go to the washroom. Women, they menstruate. Similarly, as we are humans, we eat, we drink, we use the washroom. We sometimes smell, we have bad breath sometimes. This is natural. But in Jannah, no such discomfort. People will be free from physical impurities. No person will smell in Jannah. No person will feel yucky and dirty in Jannah. No. mutahara. And secondly, how mutahara In the intangible sense. That completely clean and pure from jealousy, from hatred, from grudges, from dislike, from aversion. You know, bad feelings. Contempt, anger. No such feelings will be there. In dunya what happens? You love your spouse, but you get upset with them. Or they say something and you get hurt. And that hurt, that grudge, you keep in your heart for years and years. And it affects your relationship. But in Jannah, all such feelings will be removed. A. Nobody will hurt the other. And B. Nobody will keep any grudge in the heart. People look for such spouses in dunya. They want a person who is very nice, understanding, good in their manners, that they never hurt anybody. They respect me. That's what they want. This is why people don't get married. I can't find the right person. There was once a man who went to a particular city and a lot of people had gathered up outside a particular house. So they were asking, what's going on? Why are you here? They said, oh, this house belongs to a woman and if you ever want to get married, you just go and tell her what you were looking for and she'll find a wife for you. So he said, oh, nice. So he went and he gave a very good description of the wife that he wanted. You know, that she should have experienced wealth so that she knows how to live properly, but she should also have experienced poverty so that she is humble, she should be nice, she should be obedient. Like every description that he could imagine, he gave it to her. She said, okay, I'll pray for you, inshallah, that you get a wife in paradise. (laughs) Perfect spouses are where? In Jannah. In dunya, we are human beings. We will make mistakes. We love our husbands, yet we will end up doing something that will probably annoy them. They love us, probably we will do something that Annoys them. I'm not saying go ahead, do whatever you want, don't respect your husband. No, I'm just saying this is dunya. If you ever get hurt, don't make it a big deal. Get over it, move on. Because mutahara is only where? In paradise. So, وَلَهُمْ فِيهَا أَزْوَاجُمُمُطahara وَهُمْ فِيهَا خَالِدُونَ And they will abide therein eternally. Khalidoun, plural of the word khalid. And khalid is from the root letters lam dal خُلُودِ And خُلُود is eternity. When something remains in its state, unchanging, it never changes. It remains in that state, it never ever changes. For example, the word رَجْلٌ mukhallad is used for a person who is actually old, but there are no signs of aging on him. His hair is all black, no wrinkles on his face, he's actually 50, but he looks like as if he's 35, Right? People take a lot of pride in this. So anyway, مخالد is used for that. That despite aging, despite a long time having gone by, there are no signs of aging. He still looks young. She still looks young. Alright? So Khalidoon, they will be abiding eternally, forever and ever. Meaning they will not die and they will not be taken out of Jannah. They will never be told, you have to check out by 11 a.m. No. They will never be told to leave. They will live in Jannah happily ever after. Where is that? Only in Jannah, not in this dunya. This is a reward for who? أَلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ Earlier we learned, Allah tells us, أُعْبُدُوا Worship your Lord. And then He tells us about the importance of belief in the Prophet in the Qur'an, following the Messenger. So the one who... Worships Allah, the one who follows the messenger, وسلم, then for him is a great reward that Allah has prepared. And if you look at this reward, what is it? First of all, jannat, spaciousness, vastness. min مِن al anhar, Beauty, delight, pleasure of the eyes, beautiful scenes, as well as authority, control. Then, constant risk constant enjoyment, constant pleasure, that's full of surprises. But yet, a person is comfortable, at ease in Jannah. Forever and ever, eternity. This is what this is the reward that Allah has prepared for those who believe and do righteous deeds. And with regards to eternity, we learn in Sahih Muslim, the Prophet said, that Allah will admit the people of paradise into paradise, and the people of hell into hell. And then the announcer will call, an announcement will be made, and it will be said that, O inmates of paradise, there is no death for you. And O inmates of hell, there is no death for you. The people of Jannah remain in Jannah forever, and the people of hell remain in hell forever. We learn also in another hadith, the Prophet said, whoever enters paradise will be blessed with a life of joy. He will never feel miserable. His clothes will never wear out and his youth will never fade away. Nothing will become old in Jannah. People wonder, aren't we going to get bored in Jannah? Have you heard that? People say that a lot. Eternity? I mean, aren't we going to get bored? Think about it. If you take children into a theme park, do they get bored of it? Do they get bored of it? You leave them for an entire day, they will not get bored. You have to pull them out of, uh, what's that park? Wonderland. At 10 p.m. because the park is closing. And it's raining and it's freezing. They will not come. You have to pull them out literally, drag them out. People don't get bored of having fun. Jannah is all about fun. Don't worry. There's plenty to enjoy. Plenty to eat. Plenty to talk about. Plenty to experience. Plenty to see. There are some places in this dunya which are so beautiful. You go there once, you love it. And you keep thinking of going back over there. You would never get bored of going there. There are these parks in Alberta, Banff and Jasper. I don't know if you've ever been there. But they're so beautiful that I remember I went there once. And I went there so many times. But even today if you ask me, do you want to go? I would say yes. I've been a number of times. But every time, You know there is a chance to go there? I would go. Because it's so beautiful. You don't get tired of seeing the same things. Because it's huge, it's vast, it's amazing. Every single moment is beautiful. If you go stand by the beach and you're just looking at the waves rolling right before you, one after the other, would you get bored? No. Every moment is joyful. Jannah is about fun. Fun will never end in Jannah. Exactly what you want. Yes, sister. Yes, yes, this is true. That there are some people who will be sent to hellfire first. Why? In order to take the punishment. And then they'll be admitted into Jannah. What this hadith means, what I quoted to you just now, this hadith means is that when every person is at his final and eternal destination, then no death for him. Then eternity for him. Another hadith tells us that death will be brought in the form of a black ram and it will be slaughtered. That's it. No more death. Eternity. Let's listen to the recitation.
1: وَبَشِّرِ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ أَنَّ لَهُمْ جَنَّاتٍ تَجْرِي مِنْ تَحْتِهَا الْأَنْهَارِ
0: You could be in the most beautiful place, but if you don't have company, is it fun? No. Look at the rahmah of Allah, that in Jannah is food, as well as people, company. And especially those who are clean and pure, you don't feel uncomfortable being with them, you know that they're not going to be judgmental, you know that they're not going to say anything that's going to be hurtful. People can relax in Jannah, that's the place to relax. People strive to find that relaxation and peace in dunya. Allah has not placed it in dunya. Where is it? In Jannah. If you want to have that, what should you do? Busy yourself in? Worshipping Allah. U'budullah. Make yourself a slave to Allah. Imam Ibn Qayyim, he said, Haribu min lahu, That people... They ran away from the riqh, from slavery to the one that they were created for. We have been created to be slaves to who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to worship Allah. But they ran away from it, they avoided the worship of Allah. And when they avoided the worship of Allah, when they ran away from Him, then what happened? nafs Then they became slaves to their nafs and the shaitan. If a person does not become a slave to Allah, he ends up being a slave to himself, fulfilling his desires only. But it will never ever bring him satisfaction. He becomes a slave to shaitan, being obedient to shaitan, doing one thing wrong after the other. And that also never brings him peace and satisfaction. We might think that if we worship Allah, we are limited in our enjoyment. How can we ever be happy? The fact is that true happiness is gained by the worship of Allah alone. That is what brings you satisfaction. That is what brings you eternal happiness in this dunya and in the hereafter. So what's the way to success? Worshipping Allah, being obedient to Allah, not being obedient to oneself or to the shaitan. What did you learn? Exactly. That we see how hellfire is mentioned And Jannah is mentioned right after that. That where we should be afraid, we should also have hope. Where we should avoid those things which could lead us to hellfire, we should also do those things which will lead us to paradise. A person should remain between fear and hope. Anything else? Exactly. That if we want eternal fun, eternal enjoyment, then we should strive to get to Jannah. What do you think prevents us from doing good things wanting to have fun in this dunya so either you have fun here and suffer forever or you discipline yourself over here so that you can have fun forever there is a quote that I read once we must suffer one of two pains either the pain of discipline or the pain of regret either we suffer now and discipline ourselves and discipline doesn't mean that you suffer basically or we suffer in the hereafter. It's up to you. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika. Nashadu Allah ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruka wa Natubu ilayk.